0: In the book of Ecclesiastes, in the Old Testament, the preacher says there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. Well, what many have taken that to mean is you cry and you move on. But is that right? Here's
1: Ron Deal. You know what, that's part of the bigger cultural lie that we have in the West that says we should master our own sadness, which means, eh, you grieve for a season and then you get over and get past and move on. And we say that about others. Kids are resilient, they'll be fine. That's the same lie.
0: Ron Deal joins me, and we're going to talk about loss and suffering and how to deal with it biblically in this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Ron Deal joins me in the studio today. And Ron, I am putting you in the hot seat today. Mm,
1: yes, you have.
0: Because I need some help talking through loss. And you and Nan have walked a difficult path since mm. you lost your son, Connor. But you also have over 25 years in counseling, mostly with blended families who experienced some great, mm. great loss. And so today I wanted to talk about just the loss of expectations, like in a blended family Mm -hmm. or in a young marriage and unable to have children. Just what does that grief look like? And then in the near future, I'm going to have you sit in that same seat and we're going to talk about death Mm -hmm. and, and that kind of loss. But today, as we dive into these difficult waters, first of all, are you ready?
1: Well, you know, I cherish the opportunity to talk about loss because I think it is the subject we avoid the most Mm -hmm. in our culture, even within the Christian community. And at the very same time, I dread it because I have to go back into the dark holes of my Mm -hmm. life and uh, the sad places, the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. And so it's a bittersweet conversation for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I also think that we need to keep in mind, and, and that person who's listening might be going through a different loss. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different losses, a lot of different ways that we experience loss. And some losses are on various degrees. Mm-hmm. They might be less or more. And, you know, I'm uh, your loss, your and Nan's loss was huge. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look at degrees, and we judge Mm. according to those degrees. And I don't want to do that today. I want to just unpack and help our friend who's listening to understand just how do we come alongside others who are grieving and um, help them through that.
1: You know, that's a really great observation, and I think it's a good place to start the conversation because there are things that are similar about different types of losses – there are things that are very unique and different Mm. based upon the circumstances of the loss. So, for example, if you've lost a pet that meant the world to you, you feel that. If you've lost a marriage, that's a different intensity. If you've lost a child, again, it's a different intensity, Mm -hmm. and it has different implications for your life. If you've lost a job or a parent to Alzheimer's, You want to talk about ambiguous loss? That's where you still have them, but you don't have them. Mm. Like they're here, but they're not here. And so how do I navigate that weird space? So each loss is unique, but there are some things that are common across losses. I think when we are in the role of a helper or friend or confidant for someone that we care about, you can probably find yourself relating to an aspect of their loss that maybe you have experienced in your own life. But be careful not to assume you understand everything Mm. about their loss because of the uniquenesses of their story that will be different than any loss you may have experienced in your own story. So I think that's part of the intimidation factor when we're trying to love on somebody who's going through something hard. It's like, I kind of get what you're saying, but then I really don't get that part. I can relate to this, but I don't understand that thing over there at all. And... I guess the word I would give somebody off the top is just you know, don't be so focused on your own experience and trying to insert your experience onto their experience. Mm, that's, that's where we—that's where I think we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's like when you look at somebody and you go, "Yeah, I know what it means that you've lost your dad. I lost my dog the other day." Like, it, no, <laughs> that is a mistake. You, you do not. Compare right. those types of losses. Well, and
0: I think so many times we step over that line. We either we, – we are tongue-tied and we don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And so then we want to sort of feel empathetic
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then we say too much. Yeah. Or on the other side, we ignore – the situation or the person yeah. completely.
1: They are similar sounding words. Be empathetic, don't be pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, tune, That's in, true. tune in, tune into the other person's experience. So tell me more about what that feels like. Tell me, help me understand what that means to you that you've lost your dad and you can't confide in him anymore. You're asking questions, and oh, so I get it. Now, it feels like you've lost um, your rock mm. in the middle of the raging river of your life. That's mm-hmm. what it means for you to have lost your dad at this season of your life. That's empathy. Yeah. You know, we, we get pathetic when we go, um, oh, yeah, my dad, you know, he never talked to me much when I was a kid, so it wasn't that bad when he died. Well, <laughs> that's you imposing your experience on somebody else's story. That's the thing we need to avoid.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I want to move into a story of a young man who did lose his dad. Hmm. Jonathan Edwards lost his dad when he was a young boy due to the divorce of his parents. And, and it really marked him. And he said that there's a different kind of pain hmm. that comes from being left behind, so to speak. And I want us to listen to Jonathan's story.
2: It's been So it's been 14 years since I've actually talked to him. Wow. So it's kind of... It's
0: a long time.
2: Yeah. The memories are good, That the ones that I have that are sweet holiday memories. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I am able to look back and say, there were fun times. He was fun to be around. Mm-hmm. But that's always overshadowed by questions that come.
0: That you want answered. Yeah, it's like,
2: well, then if this was so fun, was it fun for you? Was it not fun? Was I annoying? What what happened? What is so different about my family compared to these Mm -hmm. other parents that I see? And not is it my fault, but is the problem me? And if it isn't me, what is the problem? And then why? You just have to process reality completely differently. And I was sharing some... um, just some memories with some of my small group the other night with our local church family. And I just was talking about it's interesting to to think that new heavens, new earth, that will be the first time I will ever process reality <laughs> without the film of dad not there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is, it's not just like, what are some of your thoughts? What are some of the ways that this is, you know, what were you thinking as a kid? It was what you're thinking is now everything I do, everything that happens to me, everything that I experience will now be built upon this idea that the normal social construct of the family is not the construct I live in. And so New heavens and New Earth will be the first time I look at anything without filtering through that lens oh this this is probably because my dad hates me yeah or I'm struggling in work or with my boss because he's a oh he's a male he probably hates me and so from eight years on to I'm 33 now some of the first thoughts were could I have done something different, and then just years of building on something's wrong with me, I'm defective, I now have to go
0: fix myself. Wow, that's, Ron, that is a different type of worldview.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a worldview that I never knew existed, how Jonathan sees the world because he grew up with a hole in his life.
1: And really what he's saying is my identity and my sense of self has been dramatically affected by the loss of my dad. Um, There were so many things that he said there. Is the problem me? Mm -hmm. Why have you left? Why won't you come back? Am I defective? Do I now have to go fix myself? See, listen to that. So the loss of his dad's continued presence in his life causes him to reflect on himself. Is this a comment on me? Is, does this have to do with my value, my importance in this world? And he, as now as an adult, is saying, I still carry with me that residue, that question mm-hmm. of, is there something about me I've got to deal with as an adult? Now, now, notice so many layers to this. His dad's departure leaves a hole in his heart, as you said, leaves him wondering if this is about me, how much is about me, how do I change me? As I move through time and have new relationships, friendships, as an adult, now maybe a spouse and my kids of my own, am I constantly looking at those relationships through the lens of what's my value and what's my importance based on the comment, of my dad's behavior in my life. So now it's affecting his current relationships. Even wow. though all this happened when he a long time ago when he was a boy, he's now carrying the loss with him as an adult. And so, I mean, that just speaks to the impact that loss has on us. I think one of the big mistakes we make is thinking that was about then and a season of life mm-hmm. then, but it really doesn't have any repercussions in the now. Loss is developmental. Right. Loss is something, a backpack that we carry with us as we walk through life.
0: Well, yes, because we hear that kids are resilient. Mm -hmm. And they'll they'll just pick up and go and they'll adapt and they'll be fine.
1: Yeah. And you know what? That's part of the bigger cultural lie that we have in the West that says we should master our own sadness, which means eh, you grieve for a season and then you get over and get past and move on. And we say that about others. Kids are resilient. They'll be fine. That's the same lie, right? There's going to be no residue, no impact long-term whatsoever. We want to believe that because we feel like we should be masters of the universe. (laughs) It's more back to that (laughs) somehow I am enough in and of myself, which, of course, we know as believers is never the case. And we're constantly turning back to God to say, I am not enough in and of myself. I do need you to walk with me in this space, in this journey. And if we don't do that, then we're moving towards a sense of pride, even in grief and sorrow, which I just think is so ironic because it keeps us stuck in our sorrow. Mm -hmm. We're not helping ourselves move through the grief because we're lying to ourselves saying we can move past the grief. I mean— Immediately, this jumps into grieving and in community is so Mm. important. Otherwise, I'm just stuck trying to figure it all out myself.
0: And if you notice a child or a young adult, a teenager who's walking through this type of pain and you know that Mm -hmm. the parents have gotten a divorce or that some one of the parents has left, how do you help them work through this? Mm. Well, I mean, what are some questions yeah. to come alongside of them?
1: Well, you you bring it up. That's number mm-hmm. one. You talk to them about it. You engage them in this subject. It's the elephant in the room. Go ahead and comment on the elephant. I'm so sorry that you have to carry this loss.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me about it. You know, sometimes kids will talk at that point, sometimes they won't, depending on their age, it might be better to say, "Let's draw a picture and yeah. you can show me draw me a picture of your sadness, right? And that's what we call art therapy. And a child can more readily kind of put it on paper than they can use words or language. Mm -hmm. But it's just another way of them expressing what they're feeling and you entering into that space. So giving permission to that, you're saying, I'm with you in this place. You're not all alone. That's huge. How many times in Scripture does God say, I am with you? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I am here. Mm -hmm. I will be with you to the end of the age. I mean, think about all those little moments Where God just reminds people, you know, even in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, they're going to get ready to take the land. You know, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. I will be with you. So how do we find courage in the midst of hard? It's somebody saying, I am here with you. So that message to a child from an adult. that's huge. Yeah, it's so significant. That's community grieving. We do that in relationship in churches. We do that, you know, if you're single, if with your friendships, in your—whatever those spaces are with people that are around you, when you can share your grief and when they enter into that space with you. it Again, it takes away the isolation. It helps you begin to put words on it mm-hmm. and express it. And then get some reflection back and have a sense that, I guess I'm not crazy. Somebody's here. I think I'm going to be okay. I don't know. Somehow it just makes it a little lighter.
0: Mm -hmm. And I can see in a child's life that that they would be receptive to something, someone coming alongside and saying, let me help you with Mm -hmm. this. Let Mm -hmm. me show you
1: how to do this. Just the other day, it's been 10 years since my son died. And just the other day, my now 20 year old he was 10 when his 12 year old brother died, he's now 20 he brought up something about Connor mm-hmm. in conversation. And indirectly related to the subject he brought up was a recognition of something in our lives that is very different since Connor is not here. Mm-hmm. All, that's all grieving. Mm-hmm. It's 10 years. And I remember thinking, I am so glad he feels like he can say this out loud, like he's not going to ruin the moment or make mom and dad sad, or I don't want to, you know, bring up a tough subject and kill the, the mood of our, you know, he's not afraid of any of that. Why? Because we worked so hard to grieve as a family, mm. to give permission to those moments, to acknowledge one another's sadness to make it okay. So here it is now, 10 years later, he's doing developmental grieving and he brings us into that. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's so good for him and for me.
0: Mm. It's important. We need to take a break, Ron, but when we come back, I want to continue this conversation about community grieving and how community can come alongside. We'll take a break and we'll be back in two minutes.
1: Hey, have you ever noticed that God uses family to grow us up?
0: For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal.
1: I mean, for example, I mean, God uses the experience of being a child to teach us obedience and respect for authority, right? Being a parent, for example, to teach us how much he loves us and how far he'd go to rescue us. If you're single, you know, he's teaching you about brotherly love and living in community with others. Living in a blended family teaches a lot of things, but one of them is the power of grace. You know, to welcome the outsider in, turn a stranger into a family member. Yeah, God uses families, all kinds of families. It's one of his best tools for shaping us into the image of Christ. So I'm wondering, what is your family teaching? I'm Ron Deal.
0: To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. What if your
2: digital assistant could not only help you set your thermostat or schedule a meeting, but also help you understand your husband?
0: Hey Shanti, why does my husband insist on carrying all the groceries in a single trip?
1: Simple. It's a low-risk way to push himself and prove he's still got it. Men are all about wanting to challenge themselves to do things. This is one way he can try something crazy when the cost of failure is low. Got
2: it. Hey, I'm Brian Goins. And I'm
0: Shanti Feldhund.
2: And in season one of the podcast Married with Benefits, we're talking about questions every wife is asking. The kinds of questions we know you're thinking but just aren't sure who to ask.
1: We've needed this
3: for years. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, we have. You can look for Married with Benefits wherever you get your podcasts or at familylife.com podcasts
1: views expressed here may or may not represent those of literally every woman in the entire world.
0: Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Ron D.L. is in the studio today, and we are talking about loss, difficulties of loss. And Ron, I'm single, and there's a loss that I look out in the landscape, and I'm like, That's very similar to the loss that I feel in being single, and that's the loss of not being able to have a child, the infertility. And so I want to talk about those two and maybe some comparisons, maybe not. But first, let's hear from Matthew Arbo on the topic of infertility.
1: Yeah, and I love what Matthew says about how we help somebody and come alongside them. It's Mm. that subject we
3: were addressing earlier of grieving
1: in community. Yeah. Here's Matthew.
3: One of the first things I say is as sincere as I can, and I mean it, is I'm so sorry you're having to go through that. Mm. And just to just tell them that it's, it's hard. Mm. And to, to let, let them know that I can see in what ways that I can that it's hard and not and, give any answers and initially yeah that's <laughs> yeah. right, yeah, uh, to not feel like I've got an arsenal of possibilities for them and that I can fix it mm. they very likely if they've come to this point of telling me they've they've talked to people they've they've seen clinicians they've they've taken steps I'm not going to tell them anything they haven't heard, but one thing that maybe they are lacking in is someone to be present to them mm. you know? what's uh, that
0: what does that look like to be yeah, present you know
3: in practice it can be something like Maybe getting the guy, and uh, just having some direct conversation, direct questions. How you doing? You know what's going on, and and letting just drawing them out. You know so that they don't have to shelter under that experience and the weight of it by themselves. Um, so I talk to pastors a lot about this. I've been talking to our elders about this about um, how to how to just be with people. It it takes just sticking to it and uh, one of the things we want to do is fix and want to have the tools for fixing but in this case like the best thing you can do is just listen sometimes
0: That's Matthew Arbo with Dave and Ann Wilson from a recent Family Life Today radio broadcast and you know Ron as, as Matthew was talking I kept thinking about some of those, I guess you could just call them crappy platitudes mm. that I've heard as a single when I say, you know, I would really like to be married, or I'd love to have a family one day, and people come back and say, oh, if you just trust God enough, mm. or if you were just content in God, or take that idol out of your life. And I can't help but think, well, I know that that couples who are struggling With wanting to have children, they Mm -hmm. go through the same thing.
1: Right. There's a hope. There's an expectation in their life that is not being met. And anytime that happens and somebody throws one of those platitudes at you, I mean, what's the message of, well, you just need to trust God more? Well, if you just do this, the message is there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't feel this way. Again, it's sort of that backward we should master our grief as right. believers, as Christians. Faith trumps sadness. No, my faith informs my sadness. It gives perspective to my sadness. There is an eternity. I'm going to get to see my son again. All the questions of this life are going to be made right. At the end, I know who wins and I'm a part of the team. Right, that's perspective right. that helps me in my sadness, but it does not get rid of my sadness. It does not take away your longing to be in a relationship. It does not take away the longing of a couple who want to have a child. Mm-hmm. That still exists. We have to walk through life with this i can't tell you how much this bothers me as a grieving father that when people throw those platitudes at you they are they are avoiding the hard truth now here's the thing let me let me tell you another platitude that i'm hearing a lot of these days mm-hmm. it's it's what we've done to jeremiah 29:11 which is? What, you know, we all know that verse, right? Yeah. I have a plan for you, says the Lord, to, to prosper you. And, hey, great. Now, here's the context, Michelle, of that passage. Uh, Jeremiah has just made a prophecy to, his, to the people of Israel. You've been disobedient. God's bringing a discipline on you. You're going into exile for the next 70 years. You're going to be in pain and suffering. You're losing your land. You're losing your freedoms. You're going to be under oppression. Most of you are not going to make it out alive. A few of you will. Now, for those of you who make it out, mm. God has a plan for you. Now, if we really taught Jeremiah right. 29, that would be recognizing here's a hard truth. You're going through infertility. You're going through the loss of a child. Your marriage just came to an end. You haven't found a lifelong partner that you've been longing for and praying for. You got 70 years of exile. And, I, you know, this is going to be hard. And at the end of it, there's going to be some blessing, and there's going to be a return of grace in your life. Buckle up. You know what? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> that that is, And that's life, right? Yeah. Until Jesus comes. That's what some of us have to endure. And yet, there's a promise that at the end, we know who wins. We mm-hmm. know he's on our side. He's going to sustain us in the midst of the exile. But it's just going to be hard. Yeah. Why should we spoil that, avoid that, deny that, platitude that? No. Come alongside somebody and go, oh, man, this is hard. I'm with you. I can't fix it. I just love you and I'm here.
0: Grieving in community.
1: Grieving in community
0: bringing the community around and saying, I just want to sit here for a while and listen to you. I have a friend, while she was walking through infertility, her mom met her every day for lunch. Mm. And during that one hour, her mom really didn't say anything but just said, Uh Mm uh-huh. Well, my friend just opened her heart and said how hard it was, how much she wanted things. Mm. But she said what that did for her was it allowed her to heal because she was getting all of those emotions out. And she said it was the best thing. And her mom became her best friend because of it.
1: Matthew said, don't fix, just listen, be with. Mm. That's what this mother did, be with. Now, here's the downside of that. As the helper, You want to offer more. You want to somehow walk away from this little moment thinking, I did something and they feel better or they are better. Well, you are helping them be better in the sense that they're moving through their grief with you, but you can't fix it. And you've got to be okay that you're not fixing it for them. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece that I think sometimes we feel uncomfortable with and that drives us to give bad advice. One more scripture I'd love to share, Proverbs 25, verse 20, I love the New Century version of this. Listen to this. Singing songs to someone who is sad is like taking away his coat on a cold day or pouring vinegar on his wounds. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Exactly. Don't pour salt in the wound, right? Don't make it worse. Don't fix. Just listen. Be with.
0: Mm-hmm. Ron, good words. Thank you so much for offering, for sitting with us today, teaching us about loss, but also offering some words that heal. Mm.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Great conversation with Ron Deal. It is a hard topic to talk about, this loss but I'm glad Ron was here to help us begin wading through those waters. There's so much to talk about and we're going to continue our discussion with Ron over the next month or two. But next week, I'm going to sit down with Clarence Shuler and we're going to talk about how to minister to singles. There is a right way and maybe a wrong way. It's going to be a great engaging conversation about life, love, and God of all creation. Hey, thanks for listening today. I really do appreciate the time that you've taken to listen to our conversations here. You're a part of that and I appreciate you. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our station partners around the country. A big thank you to our engineer today, Meredith Empey, with some assistance from Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holt and Bruce Goff. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer, and Megan Martin is our production coordinator. Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle hill inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of
1: family life this week